Play fast. Defense. Swarm. Swarm and tackle. Attack. We get out block them. We get out tackle them. We get out hit them and hustle. It's real simple. You out block them. You out tackle them. You out hit them. And you out hustle. Let them know. Leave no doubt tonight. Leave no doubt tonight. No doubt. Hello and welcome in. It is RJ Bell's Dream Preview College Football Edition. This is week 11. Where does the time go? I am AJ Hoffman. He is Scott Seidenberg from Seidenberg. He does, he plays sides and totals. It doesn't work as well when I do the joke. Not even that's, close. That's all right. I want uh, the last 10 seconds of my life back. Let's uh let's start with the obvious. I don't know if I. How did you do on your pod picks last week? Uh, I hit my total. I hit my total as well because every Houston game goes over. Yes, um, uh, undefeated it, on totals. Next subject. It, in fact, it was the highest scoring game in <laughs> college football history. Yeah, that's a good. That's a good sign that you're over. Did hit. Uh, I did hit TCU on the podcast. We left that off the contest card. Mm. That was one of the picks that was on the podcast that we left off the contest card. Did hit that. That was a little upsetting. We left it off. Yeah, I stunk last week. The, maybe the biggest dick punch loss of the year with New Mexico plus 16 and a half. Up 10 or down 10 driving and they fumble. You'd think, you know, any good human would just fall on the ball and, you know, run out the clock. No, the humans at Utah State picked it up and ran it back. 40-something mm-hmm. yards for a touchdown to beat me. Um, that was – I thought that was the, the bet of the week. And it, so that's about how my week went yesterday. It was a disaster. Someone tweeted me uh, earlier today and said, I made great money betting with you this week, AJ. And I'm like, oh, my God, you're like the best whack-a-mole player I could ever find. Because I I, I think I went like uh, th- three and six and if that guy picked out the three winners, then God bless him. It was a disaster <laughs> weekend for me. So yeah. I'm looking to bounce back. Same here. Uh, I had, uh, Like I said, TCU was a winner, but, you know, I lost with Illinois. Um, Memphis just couldn't uh, couldn't get there with Central Florida. And maybe I just disrespected Mikey Keene too much, but it was really the running game uh, that beat Memphis and probably should have realized, you know, how bad of defenses there are in the American Athletic Conference. And before we get into this week's picks – we can officially announce that Clemson has been eliminated. Eliminated. You might. We, it might just be the entirety of the ACC has been eliminated. I, I, there's still a path, I suppose, to a one-loss ACC champion making it. But boy, it seems Mm-mm. a slim one, doesn't Mm-mm. it? Mm-mm. It's done. It would take a lot, and uh, if you have paid attention to. The uh, the college football uh, playoff polls, then you saw that those came out today. The new rankings came out today as we record this on Wednesday night. And there's a new sheriff in town, Georgia, back on top. We said this last week, Tennessee, Georgia, whichever one. Mm-hmm. It, the, Georgia wins. They're on top. Yep. Ohio, Ohio State survives Mm -hmm. a monsoon and Northwestern there at number two, either them or Michigan won't be two or two or three for long because they're going to play TCU at four Tennessee still hovering around at five Oregon six LSU seven university of Southern California at eight. I think also eliminated Number nine, Alabama. Yes, a two-loss team has never made the college football playoff. Number 10, Clemson. 11, Ole Miss. 12, UCLA. Uh, and then I'll just round out the top 15 because I think that might 15 might be the last team that has a conceivable path. Well, no one has a path beyond here. No, no one has a path here. Uh, but worth noting, Tulane is number 17, so they have the inside track to being the highest-ranked group of five school to be represented in the New Year's Six. But let's play it out. Let's play it out, AJ. Yeah. We know that the SEC winner is in. And and right well, wait now. Wait a minute. 12, 13, and 14. I'm waiting on the edge of my seat here. It's UCLA who does have a path uh, as if they win the Pac 12. Utah, 
Nope. Penn State. Nope. North Carolina. Nope. If a one-loss North Carolina ACC champion. Nope. There's a possibility. Nope. Uh, okay. Let me explain. Allow me to explain. Okay. Go ahead. The SEC champion is in. Yes. Regardless of who it is. 100%. We could have the first two-loss team to make the college football playoff if LSU defeats Georgia in the SEC championship game. Correct? Correct. Because the SEC champ is in. And I say LSU because LSU right now is in control of their path to get to the SEC championship game. Three games left on their schedule. Arkansas, UAB, and Texas A&M. If they win all three games, they will be the West representative in the SEC championship game. Also, with an outside chance, is number 11 Ole Miss, who is in control of their own path. Their only loss is to LSU. But should LSU suffer a hiccup and Ole Miss run through the remainder of their schedule, Ole Miss would get into the SEC championship game. The winner of the SEC is in. If Georgia loses the SEC championship game, Georgia gets in as long as they are undefeated yeah. once they get to that game. And right now, I think that's a safe bet. At Mississippi State, at Kentucky, home to Georgia Tech, the Bulldogs, the reigning champs, will go into the SEC championship game undefeated. Ohio State and Michigan will eliminate each other. One of those teams will win the Big Ten. That team is in the college football yeah. playoff. TCU, as long as they finish their season undefeated, and win the pack, uh, excuse me, the, the Big 12, they're in. Right now, they're number four. They have Texas, Baylor, Iowa State, and then a rematch with one of those teams. Yeah. Could be Texas, could be Baylor, could be Kansas State, whoever, that they'll meet in the Big 12 championship game. If they win the Big 12 and they're undefeated, they're in. And then there's the Pac-12. A one-loss Pac-12 champion, whether it's Oregon USC or UCLA, one of those teams will be in the college football playoff over a one-loss ACC champion Clemson. Okay. And especially over a one-loss ACC champion North Carolina. All right. Reason being, the ACC is not good. I agree. The Pac-12 now has... Oregon at 6, USC at 8, UCLA at 12, Utah at 13. That's respect. And the only loss that the Oregon Ducks have was the first game of the season on a neutral site. Granted, Atlanta's not neutral. A neutral site to the reigning champion, undefeated best team in the nation, the Georgia Bulldogs. A game they were non-competitive in. Doesn't matter. In college football, it's better to lose early than to lose late. And you know what else college football hates? Lose the first game of the season, you win out, you're in. You know what else they hate? Rematches. Oh, you know what's going to be great for TV? Georgia versus Oregon. But how many times? Okay, how many times do we see rematches in the in the final? Alabama against Georgia again. Those teams found a way. Like they they earned their way there. This is like you're you're going to choose to say, okay, we can either have one loss this or one loss this. We've already seen one of these teams get their heads kicked in by Georgia. Let's put them in anyway. But the committee has to judge the teams off of who they are now, not who they were back on whatever date that was. I think it was still uh, August back then, right? So that's the job that the committee has. Yes, they can look at that game, but then they can say, well, Oregon has developed over the course of the season. They had an impressive win over UCLA. They would have, let's say, they win this weekend against Washington, a win over number 25 Washington. They follow it up with a win over number 13 Utah, and then a win over USC in the Pac-12 championship game. Those are quality wins that you cannot deny this team a trip to the college football playoff. In fact, I'd place a bet on Oregon right now to be a national champion and just hedge out of it once they get to the playoffs. The problem is I don't know that Oregon wins that conference. I, I mean, it's, I, I think that all those, those three teams at the top are all pretty even. Uh, I think any given, any given Saturday, as they'd say, I mm-hmm. can see one beating the other. UCLA's looked really good lately. 
Uh, Oregon, I mean, obviously has looked strong. USC looked incredible early in the season. So I, I don't know which one of those teams come out of there, but I think you're right. If if somebody can win out in the Pac-12, they're in. Listen, if if TCU wins out, there, there's no denying them at this point. They're ranked well, you fourth. can't leave out. You can't leave out an undefeated Power Five champion. You can't. Well, it hasn't happened yet. Can't leave them out. So we'll we'll see. Uh, I I agree. I that said, I don't think T, I don't think TCU's nearly as good as this, this ranking says they are. So uh, I, I guess we will find out. And Tennessee but is the interesting case. Tennessee is very interesting. Because if Tennessee finishes up their season with three more wins, home to Missouri, at South Carolina, at Vanderbilt, they'll be 11-1 and with their only loss at Georgia, which is probably the best, the second best loss in the country besides Oregon's first loss. Uh, to, to Georgia, I can tell you because that was a neutral site. This one was at actually losing. Yeah, a better it's a better loss losing at Athens because much harder to play there than a neutral site. So Tennessee's got the best loss in the country. Tennessee's path to the playoff: win all of their games, have TCU lose a game. They might not even have to have it. Have they, LSU they lose a game? They don't even have. Well, they don't even have to. Tennessee is in. One of those teams has to lose. If L- well, Ohio State, Michigan's going to lose. One of them is going to lose. Okay, if L- that's it. If LSU doesn't lose, that means they beat Georgia. Well, that's correct. Yeah, I was going to say they need Georgia to win out, and that's it. As long as Georgia wins out and they win out, they're in the College World Playoff. Okay, so n- n- w- let's say this: Georgia wins out. Mm-hmm. The Big Ten champion is in. Yep. You say TCU doesn't need a loss, so TCU's in. So I'm saying TCU now one loss. Non-SEC champion Tennessee mm-hmm. or one loss Pac-12 champion Oregon? They both lost to Georgia. Yeah, one, but one won their conference. But one won their conference and would have wins over USC, UCLA, Utah, and so Washington. Tennessee needs ranked. help. Wow, that, I think that would, be, that, that would be the best case. But Tennessee also has a win over Alabama. It's true. Tennessee has the best. Tennessee might have the best win. And the best loss. The win over Alabama and the loss to Georgia. Yeah. yeah I think a good argument for I it. think an eleven and one Tennessee gets in. The problem is, though, is that you said it. They don't want rematches. So how do you make Georgia number one and oh, Tennessee yeah, number that'd four? Be a, especially because that wasn't a competitive game. So then do you bump up Tennessee to number three? So now you've got to either have Tennessee or Oregon playing against a team that's already smacked them around. I, yeah. I, I don't know. Or unless they make Tennessee number three, and then they'll be in the two-three game. Or you elevate like Ohio State or Michigan to number one, which you could make a case for, because it's Ohio be State win. and Michigan playing each other one versus two, or I'm assuming two versus three. The winner of that game then wins the conference but, championship game. But whoever whoever wins the S, like if Georgia wins the SEC championship. Whoever's in the SEC West is better than whoever the Big Ten West representative clearly, is. Clearly. So, I don't know. There's a lot to uh, there's a lot to be hashed out, but it, th- that's where we stand for now. All right, enough speculation. L- again, as we saw this week, teams will just knock themselves out of this thing. Happens like we, all the time. Yeah, we that's don't need to uh, project. We say it. Every, we're going to say it every week. I hate the idea of an expanded playoff because we don't need it. Teams are eliminating each other. The, they'll just keep kicking themselves right out of the picture like Alabama and Clemson did this week. All right, let's get it. We are now at 500 in this contest. We are not winning this contest. That is official. Uh, my goal now. Well, we can track down the other entries and just make sure they don't make the, their deadlines. People are starting to do that. Like if some of the people who have just. Yeah, but I'm I might, out. I might just like, you know, you know. I, I get what yeah. you're I'm picking up. What yeah. you're putting down. Uh, <laughs> my goal is to just finish as strong as we can, and and hopefully be, have, be respectable when this thing's all said and done. But let's jump into this week. I will give you honors. Where are you going with your first pick of our eight? I'm going to go with uh, Coastal Carolina. This is a very AJ pick. It is a very AJ <laughs> pick. Uh, the Chanticleers are playing at home, Conway, South Carolina. They're playing at home, and it's a primetime game. By the way, Coastal minus 7.5, the line. Against Southern Miss. For those who didn't watch last week's college football scoreboard, Southern Miss lost to Georgia State at home 
42-14. Oh, I'm aware. I was on Southern Miss. They allowed 521 yards, 388 on the ground. Now they have to go on the road in prime time to play a team that beat that Georgia State team 41-24. I don't see why this is a a 7.5-point spread. To me, this should be double digits. Now, okay, we're saying, our bounce-back spot for Southern Miss, they're better than what they showed last week. I get it. I got the better team. I got the better quarterback. I got the the home team in prime time. I think Coastal Carolina runs away with this thing. I'm not, you're not going to get any disagreement from me. And I think a lot of it is because I felt so burned by Southern Miss. And I was talking about, oh, they, they run the ball so well. Uh, and I, they didn't run the ball well. And I'll be honest, it, you know, it, I've been trying to find spots to fade coastal and it hasn't worked. This I just, I, I was, we thought about it against Marshall, maybe, I think it was. Yeah. And it was like, oh, man, this team lost to Old Dominion, you know? But then they beat Marshall, they beat App State, and they have bounced back from this loss to Old Dominion, this this inexplicable loss to Old Dominion. Old Dominion, by the way, a three-win team. And that's the only difference from Coastal Carolina having an undefeated season yep. and, and being ranked in the top 25. Yeah. Uh, so I, I'm not going to fight you on this. And when I said it's an AJ pick, it's because I, I usually find myself with at least one Sun Belt game every week. Mm-hmm. Uh, so I, Scott does the honors on the Sun Belt this week um, since it kicked me in the balls last week. I will go the the independent route. I guess they're not an independent anymore. They're American now. Navy. But this is a Scott pick. This is a Scott pick. You know I'm an American guy. Give me Navy. This is my conference. Plus 16 and a half. Hosting. Notre Dame and Navy has one of the best run defenses in the entire country. That's not, it, I, we talked last week about Army having a bad run defense and how atypical it is of service academies. While Navy, typical service academy, allowing fewer than 100 yards per game, Notre Dame has to run the ball to have success. Even in that win against Clemson last week, why did I like Clemson? Because I said, Drew Pine, if you're counting on Drew Pine to beat you, I, I don't feel good about that. <laughs> And Drew Pine, 9 of 17, 85 yards. Not a great performance. But Navy, I think, can slow down the run. Here's the teams that have put up big offensive numbers against Navy this year. SMU, Houston, Memphis. Mm. What do those teams have in common? They all chuck the ball around. (laughs) Notre Dame is not going to be chucking the ball around. Navy Navy can't keep up. If you've got a high-powered offense... Navy's not going to keep up with the Wake Forests or the North Carolinas of the world. You put in there a, a, a slog, a grinder team like Notre Dame, I think Navy can hang. This game's totaled at 41. 41. Notre Dame's coming off the biggest one of the season. They're playing in an early window game. Everything's lined up here for the mids to keep this in striking range. So Navy plus 16 and a half will kick off my card. All right. I'm going to go to the SEC. It just means more. It does. And I'm going to go with Ole Miss, Mm. the Rebels. And I'm going to take the points. They're playing Alabama. Yeah, I'm going to take the points at home against Alabama. Ole Miss plus 12 against the Tide. Now, I am a big fan uh, of, uh, I don't know, maybe we'll see if you're going to do it. I'm a big fan of kicking a team when they're down. Oh, yeah. Right. In general, life in general, I'm a big fan of kicking oh, people when they're down. Well, just step on their throats and kill yeah. them. Like you don't want to let them let them you know get another breath in. Alabama's down. Sure, they're dying. Ole Miss has a chance now to step on their throats. This is the first time in the Alabama players' career that they will be playing a game without a chance to go to the college football playoff. Wow, think about that. Yeah, right because. They've been in what well, you know they had a chance every year, right? Past couple of years, no doubt. Now they're seven and two. They are not in control of their own path. Even if they win out, they're not in control of their own path to get to the SEC championship game. Two lost team, not going. They're not going to enter the college football playoff. So, how do they respond? The motivation every year for these players is to win a national championship and go to the NFL. Now you got Nick Saban 
who's, you know, he, he's rough. He's rough to play for. He's not. Yes, he's a great coach. He's an incredible motivator. He's a great teacher, and he gets players ready for the next level. But when you don't have that goal in front of you, does that? How does that play with these kids? That's my concern. And so it's these kids coming to the meeting room this week, coming into practice this week. Saban's getting on them for the loss. What are they playing for? A trip to the what? A, a glorified bowl game, Gator Bowl, but a, a, a bowl game in which half the team is going to sit out. Yeah. What are they playing for? And now they have to go on the road to Oxford, where Ole Miss they 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 think they still have a chance to get to the SEC championship game. They think they got a chance to get to the college football playoff. I think this is a good spot for Ole Miss here at home taking double-digit points to to really kick an Alabama team while they're down. Plus, I mean, we can go over all the stats if you want. The thing that impresses me the most about Ole Miss, their offensive line is incredible. They have only allowed seven sacks this entire season. No one gets pressure in the backfield for against Ole Miss. That's the fourth fewest sacks allowed in the country. That's what I love about this Ole Miss team. They'll be able to run the ball. They'll be able to control time of possession. They'll be able to throw. And Alabama has shown that they can be beat. And Lane Kiffin is looking at the 52 points that Tennessee put up. He's looking at the 32 points that LSU put up. He's looking at the plays in which LSU scored, in which Tennessee scored. And you better believe he's devising up something to put up points here on Alabama. Um. My Here are my concerns about this. The last five seasons, Alabama's average margin of victory over Ole Miss is 34 and a half points. And we like, know Nick Saban against his former assistants. We know that. And Nick Saban, uh, it feels like kind of good-hearted fun by Lane Kiffin, but Lane Kiffin uh, tweeting uh, the picture of, of – Nick, the book with it says Nick, how Nick Saban became the greatest ever, and uh, just above the top of the book it says Alabama 2022 defensive call sheet. Uh, it, it's uh, a troll job by Nick Saban. Really, remember when it the, they said the Rebels had Alabama's signals in 2020, um, and then Kiffin saying that he has the Alabama football play sheet. But I, I think they get along fine. But I, I feel like. Joking with Nick Saban right now mm-hmm. is probably a terrible idea. I don't know. It, it, like I, I, everything you said resonates with me, and I, I, I don't want to back Alabama right now because these kids have never been in this situation. And Ole Miss has a lot more to play for than Alabama. Right? If Ole Miss is in control of their destiny. If they yep. I mean, like, so this would be a pass for me. But I totally understand why you're why why you're looking this way. All right, let's go to the Big 12, where it means less than the SEC, but still more than, like, you know, some other places. Uh, I'm going to go with Baylor, minus 2.5 against Kansas State, and I'm going to fade Kansas State for the same reasons I like Texas against Kansas State a week ago. Kansas State continues to believe that Adrian Martinez is the best answer at quarterback, despite the fact that Will Howard, in limited action, proved to be a much better passer. What do you need to beat Texas? You're not going to run the ball against Texas. You need to chuck it. What'd they do? They rolled out with Adrian Martinez anyway. Mm-hmm. What'd they do? Lost the football game. Same thing with Baylor. The way to beat Baylor isn't running the ball on them. It's throwing the ball. They're much weaker through the air than they are on the ground defensively. Baylor, like Texas, can run the ball too. Baylor ran for 5.9 yards per carry for 281 yards last week in a a win over Oklahoma, a road win at Oklahoma. So this is a situation where my power ratings say Baylor's two points better on a neutral than Kansas State. Baylor's back at home after a 2-0 road trip that includes a win over Oklahoma. I have to give them something for home field advantage. So anything below three to me is a gift. I like the Bears minus two and a half. Mm. Okay, I, I can ride with that. I really can. Um, I'm going to stay in the Big 12. Okay. 
and I'm going to go with the team that I backed last week as a nine and a half point favorite, and they covered. I'm going to back them this week as a touchdown underdog, and that's Texas Christian. All right, TCU, the number four team in the nation. If you're really frill and froggy, leap. That's mm. what they say. That's what the kids say. Got a little horned frog in my throat lately. Yeah, uh, going up against Texas, who is looking better. Quinn Ewers back. Team looks great. Thirty-four point win. Thirty-four points uh, they put up against Kansas State last week, and now this is a home game against TCU. This TCU offense is just built different. They are the third best scoring offense in college football. They put up a boatload of points, 43 points per game, 508 yards of offense per game they generate. And to me, I'm going to go a little conspiracy theory here. This is like half kidding, though. I don't really believe this. This, I'm I'm saying this as like a joke. But, like, the Big 12 finally has a chance, you know, Get a team to the college football playoff undefeated. Maybe the refs sway their way a little bit. No, I'm kidding. But in all, in all seriousness, I think this is a, a ba- I think this is a back and forth shootout affair. I think both teams are going to score. The total in this game is 65. We have two offenses that are capable of moving the football down the field. We have two defenses that let up almost 400 yards of offense per game in both Texas defense and TCU's defense. Uh, I think Sonny Dykes. Has a lot on the line here. Uh, he's got a lot of ties to Texas. This game means stuff, means something to him. Um, and I just wouldn't be surprised if this game comes down to the team that has the football last and it being a 45-40 type game, a game that's played well over the 65 total. In a game that I think goes back and forth, you're going to give me a touchdown, I'm going to take a touchdown. If Texas was plus seven in this game, I would take Texas. That's how I feel about this game. I think this game is much closer than the spread indicates. And so it's not that I love TCU more than I love Texas. I just don't think this game is a seven-point spread. I think this is a little disrespectful to TCU. Well, listen, TCU keeps running into situations where they are – Finding teams on their second quarterbacks. TCU's had, like, we don't have a luck factor uh, worked out here for college football, but if they did, TCU would be the luckiest team in the entire world so far this year. My thought was, though, this game was probably going to be Texas minus four. I thought Texas minus three. I thought it was home field, and that's it. Yeah. Um, here's what I do think. It feels like Gary Patterson, having him on your sidelines, him knowing these players, goes a long way. Come on. I mean, what, he recruited this whole team. This is this is a completely different offensive scheme now. Sure. With Sonny Dykes running the show. And, and Max Duggan looks like a completely different quarterback in this system. He does. Um, I have been looking to fade TCU because I think they're frauds. But the fact that this number kept going up and is now a full touchdown, I could I can't play Texas at seven. Uh, the only way to look here to me is TCU catching catching points. Like, so, like I said, I have the, I, I honestly had this game lined up as a, a a field goal game. I gave Texas the home field advantage, and I probably gave them maybe a little bit more than what home field is probably worth. But that's it. I don't think these teams are that different from each other. I don't get why this line is is a touchdown. I think this is I think this game comes down to whoever has the football last and I think it's decided by a field goal. I think it's fair. I think it's fair what you're saying. So you won't get any pushback from me. All right. Let's go to I talked about them earlier. The Yukon Huskies. Dumpster diving, baby. Although I don't know. I, I dumpster dive with New Mexico last week and it's made me a little gunshot. I think we need to admit though Yukon's not total garbage here. They are 5 and 5. They are one win away from bowl eligibility for the first time since 2015. Jim Moore has got the offense playing really well. They now have a 4-1 and record at home. The lone loss coming to Syracuse. That includes wins over Boston College and Fresno. Now you bring in Liberty, who's riding high. They're sitting at 8-1. Liberty, Liberty, Liberty. and one. 
despite juggling quarterbacks all season, they've had injuries all season, this is a terrible spot for Liberty. They're coming off what Hugh Freeze just called the biggest win since he's been with the program last week against Arkansas. On deck, Virginia Tech. Mm -hmm. Liberty plays three games against Power 5 teams all season long. They lost by they lost by one to Wake Forest early in the season. They just beat Arkansas in the biggest win since Hugh Freeze has been at Liberty. They have their third Power 5 game on deck and stuck in between is a trip to Stores, Connecticut <laughs> against a team that hasn't been bowling since 2015. This feels like the letdown spot of letdown spot. Uh I, I I don't know. Liberty has been great as a dog, four and zero ATS as an underdog this year. As a favorite, one and four ATS. As a double digit favorite, zero and three ATS. Remember, they beat Gardner Webb by one point, mm-hmm. an F, an FBA, uh, FCS school, one by one point. They play down to their competition. I think that happens here. I think UConn is fighting for that bowl game. I think Liberty is taking a natural letdown spot here. 14 and a half, too many at home. Give me the Huskies. Liberty Bibbity. Liberty Bibbity. Uh, all right, I'm going to go to the Pac 12, and I am going to take the points with the Washington Huskies against the Oregon Ducks. You know why? Because if a Husky got in a fight with a Duck, the Husky would win. It's as simple as that. I, I think I agree with that. End of handicap. Uh, Washington <laughs> is right now the well. Let's 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 just say both offenses can light up the scoreboard. Oregon's the number three scoring offense in the country. Washington is number thirteen. But what impresses me the most about Washington, and we saw it in that game last week in the horrific wind conditions uh, up in Seattle against Oregon State, they convert third downs better than anybody in the country. Actually, better than everybody except for Minnesota. Washington is the second best team in the country in third down conversions. When they 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 put the ball in Michael Penix's hands and he just makes it happen. What they need to march down the field to get a game-winning field goal, third and fourth doesn't matter. Shotgun snap, Penix to the flat, gets his running back first down. You you look at both of these teams and I love the Oregon offensive line. I talk about Ole Miss not allowing uh, any sacks. Oregon has the best offensive line in the country. They've only allowed one sack all season. So I'm not saying that Washington's going to get after Bo Nix here and, and they're going to create havoc and turnovers and whatever. What I am saying is that I trust Michael Penix to keep Washington in the game. A team that scores as much as they do, a team that passes as much as they do. It's the number one passing team in the nation, Right. You have a, an Oregon passing defense that allows pretty allows 276 yards per game, and Washington passes for 370 yards per game. This being double digits, being two touchdowns, is just too much in this game. I I I honestly I don't want to pick against Oregon. I think they are the best team in this conference. I think Oregon has the best chance out of the Pac-12 to go to the college football playoff. Them being this game being in Eugene is everything. Primetime game in Eugene, incredible atmosphere. But it's also going to be Pac-12 after dark. And what do we see in these Pac-12 after happen. dark games? They some it's going to go into overtime. This game's going to end <laughs> at like two o'clock in the morning Eastern time. No, seriously though. I think this is a competitive game, and it's not lined up as a competitive game. Similar to the way that I think that TCU-Texas should be lined much closer than it is, I think Oregon-Washington should be lined much closer than it is. I'm backing the Huskies here to keep this thing within single digits. I like that as well. Uh, I, I do think that crazy things happen out on those late-night game, well, late late night West Coast games, so I, I could see that being the case. And I, I think Washington can score with anybody as long as there's not weather. Don't give me any weather. There. But even last week, we saw Michael Penix have a – he was fine. I mean, He was. The, look, they were cautious at times, but he was able to use the short passing game. Third and 10 from midfield, he gets a first down. Like I said, they trust him. They were 11 of 18 yep. on third down last week. I'm going to stay in the Pac-12 for my last pick, and I'm going with a favorite here 
UCLA minus 19 and a half hosting Arizona and UCLA finds himself like Oregon, like USC in the playoff mix. We talked about earlier, you know, how it's going to be tough for it. it, it there's going to be decisions to be made at the end of the year about one loss, this versus one loss, this style points will matter. This is a real opportunity for UCLA to put up some style points against a garbage can team. And UCLA is the kind of team that will style on you. <laughs> they grade this is a this was fascinating when I dug into PFF on this game. The Bruins grade fifth in rushing, fourth in run blocking per PFF. Very good running game. The bottom four teams in the country in PFF's run defense metric all play in the Pac-12. <laughs> Colorado, Stanford, Cal, and you guessed it, Arizona. Mm -hmm. Against Colorado and Stanford, UCLA dominated. They covered their double-digit spreads by over a touchdown a game. They have Cal in the last game of the season. I won't say let's look ahead to that because there is a USC game sandwiched in there that's probably pretty important to to UCLA. Uh, But against their last two games – against top five PFF rushing teams, Arizona gave up 7.9 yards per carry to Oregon and 9.1 yards per carry to Cal. So they, they've, they've faced some elite rushing offenses, and guess what they did? Nothing. Mm-hmm. Arizona has nil to play for right now. They're coming off a game at altitude in Utah where they just got their pants pulled down and smacked around. They want to get this season over with. Arizona's covered two of the last 10 games against UCLA. They are not built to do it this year. I think Dorian, DTR, <laughs> Dorian Thompson-Robinson, I think he has a day. And I think UCLA dominates this football game. What do you think? They're going to have to. Style points are going to have to matter. And, you know, for them, they can look at uh, USC playing a much closer game than they should have against this Arizona team. Yep. They can look at Washington, who played a much closer game than they should have against this Arizona team, and the team that they're looking up at, Oregon. Smashed them. Who smashed them. Yep. So if you want to be on the level of Oregon, if you think that you can you know, run through your schedule and be this one-loss team going to the Pac-12 championship game to play against Oregon, style points are going to matter. The only concern I have is, is there a is this a trap game with the look ahead to USC? I don't know that you can have a trap game if you're like if you're got a chance to play to be in the playoffs. Like it, that feels like early in the season I could see it. Right now all these teams are thinking about I, I've got to win every game. Mm-hmm. Like th- this isn't a situation where like oh we could get to bowl eligibility but this is a, like you know we've got a rivalry game next week. Like this is we've got a chance to be in the national title mix still. Yep. You take every game seriously, is is my and also Dorian Thompson Robinson starting to get some like some real dark horse Heisman buzz, and I don't think it's absurd either. When you really look at what UCLA's done, when you look at what he has done, it he's better than I would have thought he'd been. Uh, the one thing that that holds USC back or UCLA back from these other schools that are going to be in the discussion at the end of it, UCLA has not played a strong non conference schedule. So they, like I said, style points matter to them more than anybody mm. because they they don't have that big non-conference win or or really even a big non-conference game that people are going to look at and go, ooh, that's where they really push themselves. They need to style on these teams. Speaking of Heisman, is there a, a dark horse that you would throw some money on right now? C.J. Stroud's the favorite, but is there anybody I, that you I, would throw some money on now? Stetson Bennett. Okay, he's 10 to 1. I, I mean, it, it, it makes sense. C.J. Stroud looked terrible last week. It's not the first game that he's looked bad this year. Mm-hmm. I like if CJ Stroud loses to Michigan, CJ Stroud's not winning the Heisman. I, I think it's that's period. Uh, if you like Michigan, I think you could look at Blake Corum. It's uh, plus seven fifty. So I really think you may have a better uh, a better shot. A money line bet will pay less than a Heisman pick on Blake Corum or CJ Stroud, <laughs> but. I, I I don't think I don't think it's going to be C.J. Stroud to be honest. I, I I think that they're it's going to be opened up, and I I really think by the by the time it's said and done, Stetson Bennett like the 
It's not he's not sexy. He's not flashy. Mm-hmm. But he just won a national championship. He's about to have an undefeated season. What he did, I mean, he looked great against Tennessee. Like Hendon Hooker was supposed to be the guy to that was supposed to be his Heisman game. Yeah. Why not Stetson Bennett? Can I give you a long shot? Max Duggan. If you think TC, 40, 40 to one. If you think TCU runs the table, he's, Max Duggan makes a lot of sense. He's thrown twenty four touchdowns to just two interceptions this year. If I didn't think that TCU was going to lose this weekend, which I do, I, I would say that's a good call. But I think once they lose a game, it, a, a Heisman from TCU is just it, it's almost like mm-hmm. it would take wizard. Although Robert Griffin the third won from Baylor. Like and that was before Baylor was like a, a consistent power in college football. Baylor was like just recovering from being awful, awful Baylor. Ladanian Tomlinson finished fourth in the voting. I think that was his highest. Where is in this one? Is Probably it, the most famous TCU. Where's Drake player. May? That's another one I thought of. Drake May is fourteen to one. Drake May leads the nation with thirty-one passing touchdowns to just three interceptions. He was twenty-five to one last week. Oh man! So cut in half. Think about like Drake May is better than Sam Howell, who two years ago people was considered the number one overall. People thought right. Sam Howell was going to be the number one yeah. pick. Yeah. Drake May is better than him already. Yeah. Like Drake May is super good. Man. And also, Drake May doesn't have the talent around him that Sam Howell did. Sam Howell had yeah, NFL right. caliber running backs, NFL caliber yep. wide receivers. And no disrespect to the players on UNC now, who could obviously be NFL players, but. I mean, we're talking about you – know, everyone was talking about all the North Carolina skill position players. Oh, Hinton Hooker a week ago was minus 110. Is that right, McKenzie? Yep. Oof. Lost. Yeah I, yeah, I think he's out of the mix. I think he's out of the mix. Because, I mean, it, it wasn't only a loss. He, he looked like he didn't belong on the field. Like, he, he was rattled. He, he didn't know what was going on. He was confused. It was a bad look. Uh, Bo Nix at eight to one was twenty five to one a week ago. Oof! The 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 lines move fast. The, so, so who's going to win it? If not C.J. Stroud, the favorite at plus one eighty. I'm going to stick with Stetson Bennett. Uh, I I see an argument for Drake May. I, but I'm I I want nothing to do with C.J. Stroud. So Drake, like I said, Drake Field May would be nice. Drake May sure. leads the nation with 31 touchdown passes, just three interceptions. Um, leading the nation in passing yardage is Michael Penix. He's nowhere on this list, but he has 23 passing touchdowns to just five interceptions. Um, at the, you have to have the CJ Stroud though, 29 touchdowns, four picks. Funny, Jaden Daniels, who wasn't even on the board a week ago, now 16 to one. Bo Nix has <laughs> 22 touchdowns to five interceptions. Think about Bo Nix. Bo Nix, another guy who that's I mean, just passing though was kind of a forgotten guy. Like it, it almost felt like he was down transferring from Ole Miss to Oregon. Yeah, Bo Nix also. <laughs> I'm saying Bo Nix also has uh, rushing touchdowns as well. Yeah, so he's having a really good season there. But you know, you're right. Everyone thought that he was. Uh, I th- I think it's it was the best move for him. Uh, Change clearly. the scenery. Get out of his father's shadow. Right. Everyone. He was expected to be the the second coming there at Auburn, and I think it was a great move for him. Oh, I go, think I said Ole Miss. Yeah. Go, go all the way across the country and just get. I get as far away as you can. What, and God, thank God because uh, he figured out early. Uh, Brian Harson ain't he ain't the guy here. Yeah, he knew. Yeah, I, I'm out. Good call. All right, you, let's, know who's, you know who's third in the nation in passing touchdowns? Um, with 28, he also has 11 interceptions. But the third in the nation with 28 passing touchdowns. Who? Austin Ani from North Texas. No joke. You know he's 29 years old. I did know that, <laughs> and. Uh, like, I remember at the beginning of the season, North Texas, there were like four guys that were in the quarterback discussion. And I was like, one of these guys is almost 30. He's not, and he is not the oldest college football player right now active. Remember uh, Tom Hutton, the punter for Oklahoma State, is 32. Remember, uh, <laughs> you remember Necessary Roughness? Yeah, of course. And the quarterback was like, yeah, I don't even remember how old he was. It was for the, the Texas State Army. It was Scott Bakula. Yeah, but how old was he supposed to be in that movie? I know he was older in real life than he was in the movie, but in the movie, I want to say he was like in his 30s. So this uh, is like the real life version of that. 
and they were they were the mean green, or it was it was basically supposed to be it was the Texas State armadillos, which might as well have been the North Texas mean green. That's yeah. what they were. Yeah, yeah that's what it, that was much. before Texas State was Texas State. It was yeah. Southwest Texas, which is where my dad played college football. In fact, oh wow, and now is Texas State. Although they're not the armadillos, which I think would have been a really good move. <laughs> Bobcats, okay, armadillos would have been Texas funnier. State Bobcats. By the way, is the TCU from Friday Night Lights? There you go. Yeah. Yep. All right. Let's get to the, the most successful uh, totals. Yeah. Let's get to our totals, man. Uh, yeah. Uh, you go first. What do you got here? Well, if it ain't broke, don't fix it, right? So I might as well just go back to the well and go with the Houston over. Uh, Houston is taking on Temple. The total is fifty-six and a half. Last week, Houston and SMU seventy-seven to sixty-three. That was the highest scoring game in college Unreal. Um, my one fear is that Temple doesn't really score much. But last week, Temple, who only averages like 19, 20 points per game, put up 54 points on South Florida. South Florida put up 27 points on Houston. I think we could have a Temple team that just Needs to get in the 20s. Houston's a heavy favorite in this game. They're, what are they, 20-point favorites? Let's get, let's say a 42-24 game. Houston doesn't cover. They win comfortably. Game goes over the posted total. All right. Why? Because Houston every always Houston go game over, yeah. goes over. Uh, all right. I'm going to go with this one. This is like the perfect recipe. North Carolina Wake Forest over 77. Who gets a stop here? I, I, I don't know. They're, they're two elite offensive teams, two of the best quarterbacks in the country, in, in the aforementioned Drake May and Sam Hartman. They're both top 40 in pace. Neither one of them plays defense. Last year, their game was 58 to 55. Mm-hmm. And like I said, North Carolina's better now with Drake May. I think this game gets into the 80s. I, if not like last year, into the the hundred and tens, but this I, I, there's no stops in this game. These yeah, teams, these teams are perfectly happy to play a back and forth game like that, uh, and with their tempo and and their lack of secondary play on both sides, I think it's an easy over. Uncle Dave Essler, some call him Diamond Dave Essler, he's got a total here as well. Let's throw to him. He's dumpster diving too. I bet the under in the San Diego State-San Jose State football game. I bet it at 40 and a half. Look, it's not a state secret the Aztecs struggle to score, and that's being kind. They're averaging 17 points a game, but truly it's worse than that. They're 124th in third down conversions, 114th in points per play. And the Spartans aren't going to make life any easier. The San Jose State defense is 12th in yards per rush allowed, and the Aztecs do want to run the ball. In fact, they run the ball more than all the 20 teams in the nation. But when they do try to throw, it's just not pretty. They're 118th in completion percentage. And when you combine all their quarterback play this season, they get sacked of 8.5% of their dropbacks, which not only isn't good, uh, it's horrible. And the Spartan defense leads the nation in sack percentage. So we've got strength against weakness here. Um, however, it is close to a typical San Diego State Brady Hope defense. Not only are they 40, 40th in points per play, but the Spartan offense is 105th in third down conversions. You know, San Diego State, uh, due to the postponement against New Mexico State, hasn't played on the road in a month. Last time they did, a 17-10 loss at Fresno. And I think this game ought to play out very similarly. So I bet the Aztec Spartans under. San Jose State elite defensively. San Diego State not elite offensively. Beautiful stadium. It just no one really goes. Yeah. But yeah, that that should be an ugly game. I, Did you hear I, what happened at the like the first game in that stadium? No. So San Diego State had built a brand new stadium. They what they I think they tore down uh, what was it Qualcomm right wherever that where the Chargers yeah, yeah, yeah. play. They built a new stadium. It's called Snapdragon Stadium, and it's a cool name for a stadium, by the way. Right? Yeah. Apparently, when they designed the stadium, this is a true story. They didn't think about the sun because early in the season in San Diego, the weather is hot. 
Now, later in the year, it gets cooler. San Diego is the most beautiful part of this country. We know it's 70 and sunny every day and breezy. But early in the season, it's hot. There's no shade. There's no shade for the fans. There's videos of people, like, literally, like, leaning up against the walls just to try and get some shade because they were the medical tents were full with people that having heat exhaustion. It was just uh, unbearable there because they did not design any areas of shade in the stadium. Well, all the more reason to like unders there. <laughs> <laughs> Maybe in August or yeah. September. All right, that is going to do it. But first, listen, we don't ever leave you guys without offering you a good deal. And that won't be that. That's the the case once again. This time we're going to give you twenty percent off anything you like over at pregame.com with the promo code GAMEDAY20 at checkout. That's twenty percent off for listeners of this college football podcast. Good for until the next college football pod pops up. That's Game Day Two Zero, all one word. Game Day. It's technically two words, but in this <laughs> instance, it'll be one word. Game Day Two Zero for 20% off any package. And here's, this is the dirty little secret. Doesn't have to be college football. You're listening to a college football pod, so you like college football, I get it. But you know what you probably like even more than that? Money. Scott, betting hockey has been money. You can get 20% off his season-long NHL package with that promo code. You know what else has been money? McKenzie, betting NBA. Yeah. 20% 20% off his NBA package. Mackenzie, are you okay if someone buys your NBA package but yeah, gets 20% off? Yeah, that's cool. You'll feel all right about that, even if they pay 20% less than the average, Joe? Nice Absolutely. Guy. Okay. And, of course, college basketball season is underway as well. I have a season-long package up for that. Uh, but whatever you like, 20% off with the promo code GAMEDAY20 at pregame.com. We appreciate you guys listening, uh, even through the bad weeks like last week. Last week was a rough one, I'm not going to lie. I took that one on the chin. Um, but we've had some good ones. We appreciate we appreciate hearing from you guys when we have the good ones, too. It's it, it's funny, the Twitter is a lot more wild when, when you have a bad week than a good one. When you have a good week, it's like, hey, man, nice job on that over. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> uh, you, you have a bad week. Hide your wife, hide your kids. It's it's bad. Uh, but either way, we love you guys anyway. Thanks to McKenzie for doing his fine work. And we will talk to you guys next week. Swarm and tackle. Attack. We got to out-block them. We got to out-tackle them. We got to out-hit them and hustle. It's real simple. You out-block them. You out-tackle them. You out-hit them. And you out-hustle. Let them know. Leave no doubt tonight. Leave no doubt tonight. No doubt!